Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Morning, and if you're able physically, let's stand out of reverence this morning for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> then the next day, Paul took the men, having purified himself along with them, and entered the temple, announcing the completion of purification days when the offering for each of them would be made. As the seven days were about to end, the Jews from Asia saw him in the temple complex, stirred up the whole crowd, and seized him, shouting, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people, our law, and this place. What's more, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has profaned his holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, in the city with him, and they supposed that Paul had been brought brought him into the temple complex. The whole city was stirred up and the people rushed together. They seized Paul, dragged him out of the temple complex, and at once the gates were shut. As they were trying to kill him, word went up to the commander of the regiment that all Jerusalem was in chaos. Taking along soldiers and centurions, he immediately ran down to them. Seeing the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander came up, took him into custody and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He asked who he was and what he had done. Some in the mob were shouting one thing, some another. Since he was not able to get a reliable information because of the uproar, he ordered him to be taken into the barracks. When Paul got to the steps, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the mob's violence. For the mass of people followed, yelling, take him away. Father, thank you this morning for this privilege we have to be here on this beautiful Lord's Day, this Sabbath day. God, I thank you today for your word. Lord, I thank you that it will not change, that it stands the test of time, that it contains the answers to everything that we have ever faced or we will ever face. God, I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit's indwelling power this morning, that as we read your word, it affirms your truth, it convicts us, it leads us, guides us, and directs us according to your purpose and your plan. Father, we give you full and free reign in this place today. Lord, take control of our actions, our motivations. Lord, take every aspect of our lives captive to your desire and will for our life. Hedge this building, these grounds with your protective angels. Purge anything or anyone that would not desire to honor and glorify you, Lord, so that this morning everything that's said and done will be a mere reflection, Father, of your glory. We commit this to you, and we ask it in Jesus' precious, holy, and righteous name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Verse 26 through 29 again. So then the next day, Paul takes the men, having purified himself along with them, enters the temple, announcing the completion of the purification days, when the offering for each of them would be made. As the seven days were about to end, the Jews from Asia saw him in the temple complex, stirred up the whole crowd, seized him, shouting, men of Israel, help. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people, our law, and this place. What's more, he's also brought Greeks into the temple and has profaned this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, in the city with him, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple complex. 
leads to the first thing that I want to share with you this morning, and it is this. Liars do not expose truth. They hide it. Deception, lies, all the premise for what they're trying to do to Paul. What had Paul done? Nothing. Paul cared about these people. He cared about them knowing truth. He cared about them coming to the understanding of the new covenant that overshadows the old covenant, the Old Testament, the law. Paul had nothing more than the greatest of good in mind and in his heart as he desires to shepherd these people to the, to the source, the wellspring of truth. Is it not ironic that the enemy, as he sits back so hell-bent on deceiving, on bringing slanderous accusations, lies, muddying the water of truth, so to speak? Because remember, you don't have to remove it. All you've got to do is muddy the truth. What, what is the old, you hear me say this quite often, the more truth a lie has in it, the more deadly and deceptive that it is. Because what happens is, you hear that truth and it can be quite appealing. There's a number of different, I call it religions, whatever you call it, whatever you call it, but that are so family oriented that I myself very easily, if I did not have a solid biblical understanding of truth, would appeal greatly to me. Why? because they have such a focus on the family and the family unit, which is one of my passions. I haven't seen, so to speak, that level of passion in Southern Baptist life. I haven't, sorry. I have not seen that universally like I've seen in some of these other cults, these other religions, whatever you wanna call them, that has so focused and capitalized on that because especially now with the fragmentation of the family unit, what a beautiful concept, right? You eat dinner together. You spend time together. You have family days. You actually are able to talk to one another. What, isn't that a, an interesting phenomenon? We don't take our dinner and go to our bedroom in those homes. Under those religions, the eating around the table and the family unit is the core of everything. Interesting that that was the tenet of the American culture back until roughly the 50s, right? Anybody know one of the things that was instrumental in fragmenting that time together? Television. Television. You see Back to the Future when they went back to, what, 1955, and they pull the TV at the end of the kitchen table while everyone's eating doing this. No one's talking. Nobody's doing anything. They're all watching the new, it was the first run of whatever it was. I don't remember what it The Honeymooners, Yeah. And uh, that, that was the beginning to me of a, of a real fracturing of that family unit because it is important in relationships to have FaceTime, not FaceTime as one of the phone manufacturers has capitalized on. I watched a group of young people, and I see this quite often. I actually, I do it socially for myself to understand the temperature of our climate and things, but I see young people, this is especially prevalent in young people, You'll have six or eight or 10 of them standing around one another. They're in a group. When I was young, you were cutting up. You were telling jokes. You were just being dumb, right? Just We did, you know, sitting around talking about a whole lot of nothing. But what I started to notice is they're not talking to one another. They're, they're texting. So one day I actually walked over to a group and I said, hey, um, I haven't heard you guys talk to one another. And they laughed and they said, yeah, we are. We're texting. So they're standing next to each other and they can't even verbally get the words out. They're actually talking to each other as they stand together. And that, to me, is problematic. 
Because what it does is there is a lot that's gained when you are talking to me and looking in your eyes. I'm doing a lot of things, all right? Part of my police background, I'll never be able to escape because you can tell a lot about the truth of something someone's saying by the way that their eyes are looking. And I'm not going to tell you the, the keys to it. But I say that because you can tell a lot about what, whether they're passionate about it. You can tell a lot about whether they're hiding something from you. Are you not doing well right now? Can I sense the discernment in your spirit in a spiritual sense that you're telling me this because you're scared, you're hidden right now, and you're, you're, you're not knowing how to get out of this rut you're in? But there's a lot that's done when you have those, when you have those conversations together. But there's also a lot of things that many people end up with broken relationships over because there's one thing that you can't read. We always read into that, but you can't read in a text. Inflection with which something's spoken. You can say one nice, very kind statement that I've had actually someone text me and go, can you believe what they just said to me? After reading it, I actually said, wait a minute. They weren't saying that. And then I read it the way I knew, I knew the person was saying it. And they went, oh, well, they'd come off to all half cocked. They're ready to go knock somebody's brains in. And this person had not said anything unkind. But it's the thing that our human, many times, especially if you battle pessimism. Anybody want to be honest this morning if you're a pessimist that battle it? Half, you know, instead of, hey, half glass, you're, oh man, my glass is half empty. Does anybody else battle that? We've got one honest person in here. Thanks for being honest, okay? Those, you guys are going to understand what I'm saying. If you get those messages, I'm getting ready to expose the rest of you now. Those ones that you read in there and you come in here, I can't believe I'd say that. That wasn't what you thought it was. They were just, oh, you're a pessimist. They have that natural, you'll read that into a text when you get it. You're always looking at something from the perspective that someone's trying to do you wrong. That's a bad, I'm going be honest with you, it's a, a dangerous character flaw that God can give you victory over because you realize it's not godly. Always give someone the benefit of the doubt. If you think they were being unkind, don't do that automatically go, you know, I must just be offensive or offended today. God, don't let, this is my brother, sister in Christ. Do not let the enemy have any root. Don't let this bitter root take root and defile many. Don't let the lie from the enemy and his desire, because that's what he wants to do is fracture everything. He wants you to come in being a Paul. He wants you to go in there dead smack in the middle of God's will for your life on fire to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And the enemy's sole objective is, is going to try to pull that fire out of you because if he can get you fired up before you ever leave the house, you will never, ever enable yourself that day to be the light of Christ, to be the reflection of God's glory because that little thing that happens first and, and be on guard for this, especially in the morning, because a lot of times God has a divine encounter planned for our days. I think, honestly, that God has one for us every day. The question is, are we going to be on guard? Are we going to be on point? Are we going to see that when we, when we are encountered by that? Or has one of these little sneaky deceptions that he is so good at doing going to have us fired up? Because once we get fired up, the spiritual man gets put on hold and the carnal man emerges. And that carnal man sits around then and says, how best can I serve self? And what we'll do is miss that divine encounter and that is the enemy's objective. Keep that in mind. Paul is doing nothing more than honoring, glorifying, and living for Christ. These naysayers, no-gooders, influences from the devil himself, demonic, were wanting to do nothing more than to pull Paul off base and say, you know what? 
I'm done with all of this. No matter what I do, no matter where I turn, I'm accused all the time. I'm being beaten for something that I had nothing to do with. They're trying to kill me. What a great ability would you have to justify being, what? On the polar opposite end of God's blessing by finally just getting discouraged and saying, well, God, if you were loving and you were righteous and you were just, you wouldn't let all this stuff happen to me. I'm done. And I'm be sadly honest with you. I've seen Christians do that. They've gotten so tired of the enemy's schemes, not recognizing from Scripture, I don't know who in the world ever led you to Christ, but if they were faithful to the Scripture, they assured you that you would be a target for the enemy. He would try to discourage you. He would try to get you in conflict with your friendships, your relationships, your family. He's going to try any and everything to prevent you from being here on a Sunday morning, most notably. Why? Because he does not like the fellowship of the brethren. He does not like us to be faithful to Hebrews 10.25 that commands us to do this. He does not want you building genuine relationships with one another with which a genuine relationship grows one another, encourages one another, challenges one another. He wants you in surfacey relationships where everybody comes in, sings kumbaya, smiles and says, I just can't even imagine. God's just so good to me, I can't stand it. Where inside, you are dying inside. Your house, your home, your relationships, your job, and everything is being held together by a thread. And at any moment, the straw house is going to come tumbling down to your shame and your embarrassment. He doesn't want you in genuine relationships where you're growing, where you're being challenged, where you're being convicted by a brother or sister who comes to you. And many times, God gives that ability for others to see that before we do, right? Remember who I told you? The last one that is invited to the party of deception is the one that's deceived, and that's us. And we go, man, nobody knows. Nobody's going to say, no way in the world. And then finally, one day, it's like, yeah, you're the last one invited to the party. Everybody's known it forever. You're a train wreck right now, and the world knows it. But that's what he doesn't want. It starts with that incremental compromise that happens so that we're never Paul. We're never Paul standing there presenting the gospel because we never make it there in the first place. He wants us to think it is about us. It's about our kingdom or it's about the time that trials and tribulations come. Well, I didn't sign up for this. Well, if somebody sold you short, I'm sorry, but I promise you, if you will stand firm as a feast. What about the full armor this week, BBS? Amen? What great stuff. The full armor of God gives us the ability to stand without question and extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy. So the attacks of the enemy are guaranteed to be defeated when we follow the biblical prescription for that, which we saw in Ephesians this week through Bible school. If not, you're in it. Go back to Ephesians, the end of it. You're going to quickly find it. I'll give you a clue. It's after the second half of the book, so you can do a little searching, but you won't have to search far. It is important, though, keeping that in mind, liars do not expose truth. They hide it. Liars do not expose truth. They hide it. Listen to verses 30 through 32 again. The whole city was stirred up, and the people rushed together. They seized Paul, dragged him out of the temple complex, and at once the gates were shut. As they were trying to kill him, word went up to the commander of the regiment that all Jerusalem was in chaos. Taking along soldiers and centurions, he immediately ran down to them, seizing the commander and the soldiers. They stopped beating Paul. Leads to the second thing that I want to share with you this morning. That's this. God's promise is to never leave or forsake us 
not stop all the problems. Because your mindset can quickly be whenever we become, we are people that are, we are resistant to pain. I'm not going to lie. I don't think there's anybody in here that likes pain. Last few weeks, my knee started bothering me. It wasn't like it's, I did something and then you go, oh, all of a sudden your knee started hurting because you did X. My knee started hurting and it started little. And then it just kept getting worse and it kept getting worse. And I kept thinking, well, it'll get better. It's going to get better. It feels better when I stand up. So that's probably a positive sign, you'd think. So it's not like a meniscus or something that where it feels better when you lay down. So last Thursday, Wednesday, actually it was about Tuesday, I guess, night, it kind of got to a, where it was just not doing this anymore. It started to go like that. So I ended up going to the doctor on Friday, and they put six shots in my knee. You might say, oh, how could you do that? Let me tell you, when you're hurting to the level that you don't mind them doing that, you're hurting. And what happened? Well, it was one of those tendons in there that for whatever reason got bothered and they gave me a shot in my bottom there and gave me a steroid and they're trying to reset my immune system. But these little things can create great pains. The thing about the pains is you might say, well, God, am I, I, I don't understand this because I've heard so many people say that when you're living right and you're serving the Lord and doing what you're supposed to, isn't God supposed to remove all the obstacles? And we can get caught in this delusion. I'm just be honest, a delusion or deception because TV is full of pastors. I can give you the first thousand if you want to know that will tell you that God's there to remove all problems, all obstacles, every financial hurdle and no real, nothing. I mean, it's literally like when you get saved, these people believe that God's Soul destiny for you is a heaven on earth, health and wealth, prosperity. And when any adversity comes into your life, it's got to be a problem with you. You just didn't have enough faith. It's not scriptural, church. If it was, I'd be the number one. And I say that, and I say it that way every time so that you remember this. Who in the world would I be? You want to talk about the king of pessimism? If God's word was promising me that and I didn't latch onto it, I've got a serious mental imbalance. Because what person would embrace a life that is rife with trials and tribulation and suffering? What fool, biblical fool you'd be if God's word allowed you to have a theology that was consistent with truth, if that was the truth, and then categorically reject it under the guise of, oh, I'd rather have a little more suffering over here. This is not truth. Because James chapter 1 is one that just so notably talks about the fact, consider it pure joy when. It doesn't say if and possibly. It doesn't allude to a possibility. It is a promise. When, when tells me, not a maybe, it's only a matter of the timing of it. When we face trials of many or diverse kinds. And also, though, it goes on to say that that testing of our faith, God is maturing us. He's completing us. It will be complete, not lacking anything. So what God's doing is every single instance where God is growing us, God's preparing us, everything that we're in right now is mere preparation for the next battle, the next ministry opportunity that God affords us. And as a matter of fact, the scripture says, when we suffer for his name, we should what? Consider ourselves blessed. Ready? That we have been chosen worthy to suffer for his name. 
Think about it. So if you're being faithful in your time, your talents, your resources, your finances, and you just sit there going, I don't understand, God, why in the world? It's like I can't get a break. My house breaks. My water heater breaks. My family breaks, right? Physical things. You know, God, I tithe and I'm faithful, and it seems like a lot of times it's just hand to mouth, and you come through, it's almost, it, it, it not the, you're in overtime. I don't understand it, God. Well, you don't have to understand it. He's still providing. He promises to. God doesn't say, I'll provide so that you feel comfortable and you never have to, to live and rest in faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. If God doesn't test our faith, what is our faith? What is faith that has not been demonstrated? What is faith? You know, it's easy if you've got a million dollars in the bank or a hundred thousand for that matter to stand up and testify about how you trust God every day for your provision. Come on now. You hand me that hundred thousand dollars and get it out of your reach and then let me see you live out this faith you profess with your mouth. Amen? Because it's real easy when you've got two pocketfuls of cash to tell you, man, I just trust God for my hand-to-mouth provision. Run out of that. And then there's a whole different demonstration getting ready to happen. And a lot of times, people that have never experienced that have not really been able to really live that faith to that level because they've never had that issue where they've had to trust God. Like who? Elijah, remember out in the, the wilderness with the raven? He didn't have a choice to go to the local Dollar General store and whip out a check card or, hey, maybe he didn't have anything, but he had a few credit cards in the background. So he was able to go up there and pick up some of those uh, cheddar jalapeno hot dogs, man, and a bag of chips and a drink. And so God is so glad for your provision. He didn't have that. He waited there to be fed by what? A raven. What about the widow at Zarephath? Remember the faith that the widow at Zarephath had to demonstrate? When he says, hey, I want you to make me something first. Now, you want to talk about faith, right? How about I'll feed me and my son, and then we'll wait for your provision to come in, and then I'll make you something. No, he said, why don't you make mine first? Why was that important? Because it was the last that she had. She had to act in faith. The widow's might. What is that faith? It's recognizing, God, I know your supernatural provision, and I recognize that everything in my life is held together in the palm of your hand, and I realize right now, no matter what I got, good, bad, and different, that if anything is not according to your will and your desire is, you can ruin me in a moment's notice. And that's why I think the, the prayer of Job, uh, one of the uh, places in Scripture, when he, this just showed the love and the faithful trust that Job had when he says, Though you slay me, yet I will trust you. Meaning, God, you can kill me, and I'm still going to trust you. And that right there is what I'm talking about, church. That's what we're watching lived out in Paul's life. Paul didn't want to talk. Paul wanted to live it. He wanted people to see it by the life that he lived. Paul didn't spend his time defending himself. He defended truth. And is that what we're doing with our lives? Are you defending yourself or are you defending the truth of who you are and who you are in? And I, I hope this morning you are because you have God's promise. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. But brothers and sisters, he's not here to remove all of our problems. Each one of those have been divinely allowed 
according to his purpose and plan to grow us, to prepare us in this process we know as sanctification that is going to give way one day to that day that we breathe our last breath, and that is the graduation day where we do what's called glorification. We're going to be in the presence of God in a glorified state for all eternity. I was thinking this week about the new heaven and new earth. You know, that, that just is so overwhelming in, in my understanding of that. I, I just believe it for what it is. Do I know what that looks like? No, but I know it's going to be awesome. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me at all. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome because anything that God ever does is awesome. And I can't even imagine God's creation redone 2.0 without sin. It just, it's beyond my comprehension, and I'm excited for it, though I can't fully grasp it. I'm thankful for that church, and it's the same with these biblical truths. Sometimes they're so powerful and so profound that I realize the only limitation does not have to do with, with me or it. If anything, it, it, sorry, it doesn't have to do with it. Any of the issues that I have with truth, I always recognize has to deal with the finite inability for me to conceptually understand the mind of an infinite God. And that's why I praise him this morning for who he is and everything that he is and always will be to us. Then verses 33 through 36. Then the commander came up, took him into custody, ordered him bound with two chains. He asked who he was and what he had done. Some in the mob were shouting one thing and some another. Since he was not able to get reliable information because of the uproar, he ordered him to be taken into the barracks. When Paul got to the steps, he had to be carried by soldiers because of the mob's violence, for the mass of people followed, yelling, take him away. Third and final thing I want to share with you this morning is this. Lies always leave confusion. Truth will set you free. Lies always leave confusion, but the truth will set you free. You ever had to recall a story that came from truth? You were there. That's that old song, I was there when it happened, and I guess I'll always, or what is it? I was there when it happened, and you bet I always know. Basically, when you're repeating something from personal experience, it's very easy. If you watch psychology from either FBI TBI or any of them, when people are being deceptive, it's very difficult because they're having to recall from creation, not experience. The problem with it is we do not remember what we create well at all. We remember experience. So in order to remember something different, it is a ballet act that the human psyche is not good at doing unless you've been trained and many uh, people who are compulsive liars get very good at lying. You don't ever want to be that person, by the way, because sometimes they become so good, they don't know truth from reality anymore. They don't know it from deception. They are skilled and have become so by the lives that they live that they end up being able to never differentiate or discern the truth from a lie. But you and I need to keep our consciences extremely raw with a biblical truth because once our life is lived in truth, we don't have to worry all the time what we said the last time. It's interesting sometimes, and, and this has happened for the last 15 years in ministry full time. It's ironic, you know, you see a child and 
I'll see the adult, you know, or dad or mom. Yeah, yeah, we couldn't make it last week. I was, and I didn't even ask about it. You know, come up, yeah. And, you know, my blah, blah, this, that, or the other. So, you know, you're just going on and you're walking around and don't think nothing about it. You know, hey, people, things that happen, that's between them and the Lord, not me. I'm not your dad. But one of their kids will come up. Yeah, daddy didn't want to come to church last week because he was tired. Now, do I go back to dad and say, hey, man, your kid, no. It's not, I'm not your conscience. I know you, you be careful because the best lies we tell are the ones we tell ourselves. Like I said, nothing else gets your story straight, amen? Because I will tell you, your kids are going to say it all. And by the way, I won't believe half what they say if you don't believe half what mine say. Some of y'all just got nervous. Lies always leave confusion. Truth sets you free. Does that mean that there'll be no implications if you make a mistake sometime and you did it with no intention at all? Yeah, sometimes there's, there's consequences for it. You know what? Uh, I was pulled over one night going home. I told you all about this when it happened like a year and a half, maybe two years ago now in South Cannon. South Cannon's an easy, you know, it's sunny night, I'm tired, and I had no idea what speed. This guy pulls me over, you know, and I was like shocked when he did because I didn't even think nothing about it. And he goes, you know how fast you're going? I said, no, I don't have a clue. And when he told me what it was, this is not a joke, my response was, is that all? Because I would have figured I might have been going faster than he said I did. But I wasn't doing that with malice aforethought. He didn't give me a driving award. Maybe I wasn't going fast enough, but he was very kind, very gracious, very nice. But just because I did that without malice aforethought, should I have been free from the consequence of that just because I didn't know? Didn't even, wasn't even paying attention to the speed? No, I deserved a ticket. If I had gotten a ticket, what could I have done? Be mad at him for giving me a ticket because I was the one speeding? No. Well, how many times? Well, I can't believe they didn't give me a break. I can't believe they didn't this, that, or the other. The law is the law. Just because we don't like the fact that um, Lane Parkway is 30 miles an hour, we don't like the fact that South Cannon is 30 miles an hour, we don't like the fact that uh, up until about the celebration, a little past that, it's 30 miles an hour, and, and North Main is 30 miles an hour, and it's just not fair. What does that change with the truth of what the speed limit is? If you want to speed, if I want to speed, you know what I'll be willing to do? I'll take my lumps if I get it. Be willing to pay the price and the consequences. The officer's just doing their job. Amen? That's the thing. The truth will set you free, though. Just like that night, I was as honest as honest with him. I could have gone in there and said, oh, I never thought I was going that fast. Man, I'm telling you, I, 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 I sure in my heart thought I was, I'm a pastor and, and I wouldn't want to go over 30 miles an hour on South Canada. Would anybody want to? No, I'm not going to say that because it was a lie. That wouldn't have been true. The best thing was to be perfectly honest is what I was. Is that all? Because I would have figured with what he had said I was going, I'd probably 20 more over that. Because it's so hard to go 30 miles an hour on South Cannon, you literally have to watch your speed limit, your speedometer, because on a four-lane highway, it's really difficult to go 30 miles an hour in a newer model car, too. If you have anything 85 and before, you're going 30 miles, you feel like you're to 90. Amen? Y'all don't even act humble like that. I'll point y'all's cars out there and tell you who knows they're going Right? Think you're doing 40 miles an hour when you're doing 90. But it's hard these days. The cars are so quiet. 
They run very well, even the older ones these days. So it's very difficult. So you have to be conscious and cognizant of that because what is it? Ignorance is no defense of the law. And that's where we transition to today. Ignorance is no defense, spiritually speaking, guys. When God has called you to be the high priest of the home, ignorance to your place as the high priest of the home will not get you an off with God one day because, well, God, if you hadn't given me that rebellious woman, I wouldn't have stopped that. What did I say? You be what you're supposed to be. You love her to Christ. You're a single mom having to do it yourself. My hat's off to you. I, don't even, I can't even begin to comprehend how a single parent can raise children. It is so difficult. It's so hard, and my hat's off to you. But if you're having to carry both those hats, again, I pray for you. I pray that God would give you every ounce of strength that he needs to give you as you function in a role that you were not created to live in. Amen? Amen. The structure of everything that God has supernaturally created has gone so awry. And the thing is, when we live truth, when we love truth, when we value truth, when we stay in God's presence, when we delight ourselves in his word, he does what he promises in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It is trusting in him with all of our heart, leaning not in our own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Does God want marriages dissolved? No, but sometimes physical violence dictates said action, right? Amen? I tell people, well, Brother Jonathan, I'm, I'm being abused physically. What should I do? You get away. What do you do then? You put a safe distance between you and them. And ultimately, some people do not want to, to, to go from the life that they're living to the life that God calls you to and placing yourself in physical harm's way is never a good solution. And make sure, even as you as a Christian, if you ever encourage someone to go back to someone who's physically abusing them, do you know what happens if something happens to them? You can actually be charged criminally also. You don't want to turn this very easy sometimes to just say, well, we forgive and forget. Does forgiving and forgetting mean we place a wife that is vulnerable back into a position where her and her children can be harmed? No. Why? Because we see the circumstances like happened out here on Fairfield Pike just a couple of years ago, if you remember that, where a woman was chased in, uh, from a safe house and she was killed. You know, there's Listen, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What is the truth? We always desire reconciliation. Amen? That is the whole cause, and, and literally, that's the mantra of followers of Jesus Christ, that we desire restoration in all circumstances, but sometimes it's not possible. What did I say? The only people that you and I can control is us. The greatest thing that we can ever do, though, is be a Paul. Be a Silas. Hey, stand firm on truth. Be a Stephen. Doesn't matter what it costs you. If it costs you your own single life because you're sharing the truth with someone and they get upset, they get angry, and they take your life, you've lost nothing, church. You've lost absolutely nothing. There is no greater way that you can enter up and enter the presence of the Lord than having died for the gospel truth. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Does that person's life mean that much to you that you are willing to share it with them? Imagine. The demonstration of you doing that in spite of the fact that you ultimately lost your life for it, you know what? To God be the glory. God is faithful, and he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Liars do not expose truth. They hide it. They hide it. Number two, God's promises never to leave us or forsake us, not stop the problems. 
First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. I think that's one of the great life verses that all of us should remember. In all things, give thanks, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. Very important to remember that truth, and this is why. There are going to be horrific circumstances in life that we see. As a matter of fact, I was with someone the other day, and I said, you know, I don't remember where we were even at. And I just said, you know, could you imagine that these walls, you know, you think about this, the, the sad situations, the tragic situations that have happened in every town. Just, well, think about America. How about just the state? Just about your, how about Bedford County? The number of them that I've heard in my 28 or six, seven, eight years here in Bedford County, I can't even count the number of stories of tragic loss of life in circumstances that were just baffling. Things that were just, we call them freak accidents, but all of us are gonna be in one way or another touched by that, whether it happens to us or whether it's someone we know. That is just the reality of life. And I've had to purposely condition myself as a follower of Christ to recognize that God is bigger than every situation and story. And the thing about it is, the puzzle is so much bigger than I can understand, and each one of those plays in to the picture that he's painting, the puzzle he's putting together. It's very difficult at the onset, just like my parents losing my sister Martha on the mission field. Remember, you're on the mission field. It's one thing if God didn't want them on the mission field, and they had gone on the mission field to prove that this is a good thing for good Christians to do. No, this is where God had led them, God had prepared them, and God had placed them. What a thank you from the Lord, right? That was kind of my thoughts as I heard the story growing up. And I could imagine my parents wrestled with that same thought. Who wouldn't? I know my mom said it almost destroyed her. Could not imagine. But now, as I stand here before you today, all these decades later, having recognized that my brother, who's now the chief justice in the appeals court in Florida, would never have been born, nor would I have been born had my sister Martha not gone home to be with the Lord. Now tell my parents that the night it happens, the morning they wake up and, and Martha's dead. Tell them, hey, God's gonna work all this together for good. Trust me, there's big things ahead. You probably get punched because that's not the time to say that. It's the time to allow the picture, the purpose, the plan of God over his perfect timing reveal. And sometimes we don't know. We'll learn it in heaven one day. But God's promise is that he is always faithful. The enemy's lie wants to convince us that God is the liar. And this is what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. God never has been a liar. And I know that I can trust wholeheartedly today to know that he never will be. And I promise you, the picture that God's painting right now and the part that you and I are playing with it, whether it's the black strokes, which you think about the dark hues of, of colors and things, and a lot of times we see those, and that's indicative of pain and heartache. We want to be the yellows and the reds and the beautiful whites and the blues, the sky. We want all that happy, cheery, good, feel-good stuff, and God just keep the blacks and the browns, but the problem is a picture's not a picture without those. Look at that one up there. There you go. Look at all the dark hues in that picture that make, but see, you don't focus on the black. Go, man, that black is so beautiful. Look at the darks, man. No, what do you look at? You look at the light. You look at the yellows, the pinks, the beauty of that picture, and that for the most part, but see, without those other shades, the picture's not complete. 
And today, the things that God's allowing in your lives, in my life, is to make the beautiful picture of God's purpose and plan, and every bit of it is just as important for the rest of it. Whether it's Paul getting beaten because he loves the Lord, or whether it's you and I being made fun of or being shamed by neighbors or someone at work because you're a Christian. Stand firm, hold fast, because the message of the gospel and truth is the only thing that will ever bring us what our heart and our mind and our life desires, which is peace, fulfillment, and joy unending. You might lose a spouse. You might lose family members. You may lose everything. But I can promise you, as Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. They can't steal our salvation from his church. They can take everything else from us. But to God be the glory. There's nothing that can happen to us that's outside of God's ability to turn and use in mighty ways for his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life. First, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you want to live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.